Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. The title of my message today is Now is the Time. And now is the time for school holidays. Amen. The kids said, yay. Oh, it's a very weak. Come on, guys. It's now is the time for school holidays. Yay. And the parents said, woo yay. That's good. It's good fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this morning, as Josh did say, the parents' room is there. If you need some space, the sound's on. If you ever can't hear in the parents' room, just come and tap the sound, guys, and they'll go, ah, oh, what do you want? <laughs> uh, just, just tell them you can't hear if you can't hear out there. But uh, please... Make that space available to yourself if you need it. But now is the time. Now is the time is the title of my message today. Turn to the person beside you and say, now is the time. Now is the time. And you're thinking, now is the time for what, Andrew? Okay, how about we pray and then we're going to jump in to God's Word. Thank you, Lord. God, we just thank you so much that today is the day that you have given us, Lord. Today is the day that we have opportunity to know you, to come together, to celebrate you. And Lord, we, we can, if we always wait for tomorrow, that day will never come. But today, Lord, is the day you have given us. Today is the day that we can lift our hands and declare that you are our merciful, amazing, wonderful God. You're our Savior in heaven. And Lord, today is the day where I believe you want to touch hearts and lives here in this room and people watching online, people even watching through the week as they catch up, Lord. God, we just thank you that now is the moment where you want to move in our hearts, Lord. And I just pray, God, this morning that you would open our hearts, open our minds. Do not let us be like your people who wandered in the wilderness because they refused to listen. Let us not be like the ones who died in the wilderness because they refused to enter that which you invited them into. God, I pray today, I, I, I plead with you, God, open our hearts. Open our hearts and our minds to see the things that you want to point out to us today. We just ask you to have your way. By your Spirit, Lord, we just pray that you would move in our hearts, move in my heart, Lord, I pray, as we come together around your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you weren't here last week, um, just to fill you in where we're up to, we're working through the book of Joshua and last week we, we talked about how Israel went to attack AI. They said, we don't need the whole army, we'll just do it with 3,000. We still haven't worked out how to get rid of that noise. <laughs> you know the awesome thing is, it wasn't meant to happen last week or the week before, but it just happened at the perfect moment. Today it didn't. Anyway, um, I don't know where that sound is coming from, but anyway. Um, so Israel, they've crossed the Jordan River and uh, they've, they've marched around the city and the walls of Jericho have fallen down and they've defeated uh, Jeric- um, Jericho, yep. And now they've, they've gone to attack Ai and they have been utterly humiliated. And Joshua says, what do we do? How are we going to face anyone? You've abandoned us, God. What do we do? And then we got to that point where God says to Joshua, get up. How dare you? Do what Israel has done. You have defied me. You have sinned. Get up and, and 
work this out. I'm going to continue this morning from verse 13 of Joshua chapter 7. If you've got your Bibles there, I encourage you to open up. It's on the screen, but uh, I encourage you to make little marks in your, in your own Bible, underline things and, and help you to find things as you're reading through. Verse 13, God says again, Get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. I just want to remind you again, the last, week talked, last week we mentioned how right there that is God's mercy. God is giving them a time and an opportunity to repent. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, hidden among you. Last week we talked about what is the treasure that's hidden in our heart. Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from from among you. In the morning you must present yourselves by tribes. The Lord will point out the tribe to which the guilty man belongs. To see, imagine all the tribes stepping forward, then they all step back except the one. It says that tribe must come forward with its clans, and the Lord will point out the guilty clan. That clan will then come forward, and the Lord will point out from that guilty, point out the guilty family. Imagine the sweat building up in your palms at that point. You're the family still stepping forward. Finally, each member of the guilty family must come forward one by one. The one who has stolen what was set apart for destruction will himself be burned with fire, along with everything he has. For he has broken the covenant of the Lord and has done a horrible thing in Israel." Let's let that sink in for a moment, what God is instructing there. The seriousness of what is going on here. It goes on in verse 16, it says, Early the next morning, Joshua brought the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Judah was singled out. Then the clans of Judah came forward, and the clan of Zerah was singled out. Then the families of Zerah came forward, and the family of Zimri was singled out, palms sweating, pulse increasing... (laughs) Every member of Zimri's family was brought forward person by person, and Achan was singled out. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, hear the language here. Hear how Joshua addresses Achan, this one who has brought sin into the people of Israel. He says, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Make your confession And tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. Achan replied, It is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins and a beautiful bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. So Joshua sent some men to make a search They ran to the tent and found the stolen goods hidden there, just as Achan had said, with the silver buried beneath the rest. They took the things from the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites. They laid them on the ground in the presence of the Lord. Then Joshua and all the Israelites took Achan, the silver, the robe, the bar of gold, his sons, daughters, cattle, donkeys, sheep, goats, tent, and everything he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. Then Joshua said to Achan, 
what have you, why have you brought trouble on us? The Lord will now bring trouble on you. And all the Israelites stoned Achan and his family and burned their bodies. They piled a great heap of stones over Achan, which remains to this day. That is why the place has been called the Valley of Trouble ever since. So the Lord was no longer angry. Then verse 1 of chapter 8 says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men. How many? Was it 3,000? No, he says, All your fighting men and attack Ai. For I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. You will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho and its king. But this time you may keep the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. Now, as we read through that passage and as we think about what it's talking about and the implications, maybe it's making you think of some other passages in Scripture. Achan's sin affects all Israel, and the punishment was death, not just for him, but for his whole family, for even his sheep and his goats and his cattle and his tent even got stoned as well. Let's be honest, the immediate question for so many people, and if it's not for you, realize that it probably is for your neighbor, maybe not your neighbor sitting beside you, but someone you know. How is this fair, they might ask. How is this fair, you might ask. How is, this, how is this an act of a loving, kind, generous God? And then the, the question that comes from that is, if that's what God is like, how can I trust a God like this? How is it fair that not only Achan, but his sons and his daughters and everything he had was stoned and burned that day? How is that fair, Andrew? Can we trust a God like this? Maybe you're asking. And let's be honest, we want to know, how does this affect me? If, if God is like this, what does this mean for me in my life? I want to start off this morning by asking the question, what is sin? What is sin? Is it just a, a thing that the, the church has kind of made up? No, it's, it, the Bible talks about sin being missing the mark. We are called to live for the glory of God. And if we do anything but that, we miss the mark. That is sin. To not glorify and honor God is sin. Sin is straying from the path. It's deliberately twisting or perverting that which God has created. It's to act wickedly. It's to act in rebellion against God. And then the next question, that's what sin is, but the question that comes from that for me is, so should a loving God hate sin? Should a loving God hate sin? So many people that might ask the question, you've probably heard people say it, how could a loving God allow this and this to happen? Or why would a loving God judge Achan's whole family just because of what one guy did? Why would a loving God even judge sin, some people might say? But you know, the flip side of that question, I think, is even more revealing. How can an all-loving God allow sin to go unpunished? How can an all-loving God allow people to hurt one another and do the things that we do and excuse and do nothing about their sin? You think of the most horrible worst 
murder you've ever heard of? How can God allow something like to hap- that to happen? Or the, those that sacrifice their children to their gods and their, their pagan gods, how can God allow those things to take place and Him not bring judgment upon those who sin? Imagine for a moment you're in a, a class at school and let's be honest, it's a total bunch of ratbags. Maybe you don't have to try too hard to imagine. I don't know. And you know, they're, they're stealing your, your pencil case all the time and they're putting thumbtacks on your seat. They're, they're cheating. They're, they're cheating on your exams. They're, they're, they're calling out the teacher and, and just totally rebellious. And they are just causing a, a total chaos scene in your classroom. Which one would you want? Do you want the teacher that just goes, oh, I'm loving and kind, I'll be forgiving. Little Johnny, please put the chair down and stop throwing tables. Or do you want a teacher that says, Oi, that is enough. That is enough. You will not do it anymore. Sit down and they, and they actually bring some calm back to the classroom. Have, have a think about your first day of school at the start of the year. I, I had so much fun being a chaplain for 15 years and seeing the teachers that I knew really well uh, like put on the fake heavy like the start of the year. And let's be honest, those teachers that know how to just put the foot down at the start of the year and say, that is enough, it's, like, it's almost like they're waiting for that thing to... to I shouldn't tell the kids this, should I? <laughs> anyway, they're, they're waiting for that moment to kind of lift the voice and bring out the angry face. And the whole class sort of sits up and says, ooh, didn't know they had this side of them. <laughs> but they bring, what, they, they bring a healthy respect and a calm in the classroom that lasts the whole way through the year. And then you can enjoy learning and growing together. Have a think for a moment about a a judge in a court of law. When a crime is committed, their role is to work out what is the the just punishment for this crime. Actually, I I looked up the uh, Victorian sentencing uh, rules, things. Um, It's amazing what you end up looking up when you're preparing a sermon sometimes. The purpose of sentencing in Victoria, it says online on the website, says, number one, the reason for and the role of the judge is for a just punishment. To punish the offender in a way that is fair in all circumstances. Number two, it is for a deterrence. To discourage the offender or other people from committing the same or similar offences. Number three, it's for rehabilitation, to create conditions that help the offender lead a law-abiding life in the future. Number four, it's about denunciation, to denounce, condemn, or censure the offender's behavior. That is, to make it clear to the community that that behavior is wrong. And number five, it's for community protection, to protect the community from the offender. I want you to keep those five things in mind as we go through the rest of the message and think about God's justice. To think about God's, if you want to put it that way, sentencing. You know, when we think about Achan, most of us, you know, we, we, we might think, okay, he deserved judgment. But we struggle most when we think about his family and we think, surely they didn't deserve what happened. If you think back again to what we talked about last week, there is no private sin. There is no sin that in your life or my life that doesn't affect anyone else. There is no sin like that. Sin is like a cancer. 
And if it isn't dealt with, it spreads. It infects the whole body. Sin, it wants to dig its roots in here and then go through the whole of your life. And if we allow it in, if we allow it to sit there and, and, and remain undealt with, it spreads. You know, you, have you ever tried putting, or a, a, just you've seen a rotten apple in the fruit bowl? You can't have one rotten apple or a rotten orange amongst the bowl of, of fruit and it not affect every other piece of fruit. It spreads. As I was working my message this week, I, was, I noticed I had a splinter in my finger. Um, I've been doing some stuff in the backyard, actually doing some gardening, and uh, I had this splinter and I could see it was getting a little bit red and puffy. And I don't know about you, but I, I really love like, getting a pin or a needle or something, disinfected, of course, first, and, and then I like, go digging, and you're like, you dig it out. And Is anyone else like that? Some of you are like, oh, no. It's like there's a moment of pain, but the satisfaction of this little tiny thing. Isn't it amazing how the littlest, tiniest things can cause so much pain? Distraction in our lives. You know, sin is the same. And as you, as you dig it out, and you're like, you, you know, you beat up a bit of flesh around it as you get it, but you, you squeeze it out, and you're like, ha, oh! ha. And then you flick it away or put it in the bin or whatever you do. And it's like, but there's a satisfaction because you've got to deal with the thing. You've got to deal with it. Otherwise it gets infected. And it's the same with our sin. Like it or not, God had given Achan time to repent. God had given Achan a moment, moments of grace and he didn't confess. He did not repent. Even as God said to Joshua, tell the people of Israel to prepare, to prepare themselves because tomorrow we are going to find out who the sinner is. Achan could have said right then, it's me. It is me. I've done it. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. Let's not go through with this. I'm, do what you need to do with me. And I don't know, maybe, just maybe, God would have done, dealt with the whole situation differently. Maybe it would have brought grace upon his whole family. I don't know. I'm, but he didn't do it. And let's be honest. The other factor as we look at this passage and as we think about some of these difficult passages in the Old Testament, as someone in our life group pointed out, I've got to say it's so good to be part of a life group. If you're not part of one, I encourage you to, to get involved with a life group. Let us know. Fill in a care card. Someone pointed out last week in our life group, God doesn't view death like we do. You know, in our, in our society, we don't even talk about death because that's too confronting. Like, death's kind of hidden behind closed doors. It gets opened up occasionally when, when someone we love passes away. But then we kind of close that door and we don't even want to think about it as a society. Death is not the end. God has created us in His image. We have a soul that is going to live on for eternity and it's either going to live in His presence with Him forever and it's going to be glorious or we'll be cut off from him and be separated from him for eternity. Death is not the end. And only God knows the human heart. And I, as I wrestle with these scriptures, I've got to be honest, it's hard as we wrestle with some of these scriptures. I don't have a nice, easy, sweet, little packaged up answer for you. But I just wonder if maybe God knew that if Achan was wiped out, he was burned and he was gone forever. If his children would grow up being bitter and angry at God for the rest of their lives, saying, God, why did you take away my dad? I don't know, maybe. And I wonder if God thought in this moment he was going to show mercy and grace not only to Achan but his whole family. 
by letting them face death in this life with Achan. And even as the whole family stood before Israel about to be stoned, if the whole family in that moment would have said, God, we are sorry for our sin. And in that moment, maybe even as they faced death, it was God's mercy because it caused them to cry out to him and find eternal life in faith in him because of God's mercy. Only God knows the human heart. And we don't understand all the things he does or allows, but God is good. What we do know is that Israel had only just stepped into the land. God had promised a land to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and finally after hundreds and hundreds of years, finally they've, they've crossed the Jordan River, they've entered the land, this great celebration, it's so exciting and then they face Jericho and it's defeated and it's awesome and it's amazing and then they go and attack Ai and they've sinned and at this point God is saying, this is not how it's going to be, Israel. You cannot have me as your God and also cling on to these other things as your gods. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and work. You cannot serve someone above me. This is not how it's going to work, Israel. And in this moment, I believe this is a a moment of God's grace and mercy for his people to recognize if we turn to any other thing, it leads to death. And it's an example for us. God, in his mercy, has shown us the seriousness of sin. You know, we live in a world that tells us that no one should be told they're wrong. No one should be told they're wrong. It's like everyone's allowed to have their own beliefs and that's okay. No one should be criticized. But you know, thinking back to that school classroom again for a moment, the kid that says two plus two is five... I feel sad for that kid if the teacher says he's right. We live in a world that tells the kid, you, you work out whatever you think it should equal. You go with that. And it is sad. You can apply that however you'd like to this morning. <clears throat> As we read on through the book of Joshua, we see the people of Israel commanded to go into battle time and time again with these different nations in the land that God has told them to drive them out. You know, we can struggle with the violence of the Old Testament. We can struggle with the command to wipe out these nations, men, women and children. It's hard to wrestle with. And you know what? I think it should be hard for us to wrestle with. It should be difficult for us to to comprehend the suffering that, struggle, that, that, that sin brings into our world. We should struggle to see humanity suffer. It, it should do something inside of us. If, if, our, if our heart, if our mind is so callous that it doesn't make us just, we, we see the news or whatever's happening in the world, if there's something in us that doesn't kind of respond and say, God, help these people, and God soften our heart again. Instead of it causing us to doubt God's goodness, I believe it should cause us to recognize how destructive sin is. Sin destroys lives. It does. And if we try and live with sin in our life, it's like heaping burning coals in our lap and thinking it's not going to burn us. Sin destroys lives. 
In Genesis 2, we're not going to read it, but verse 16 and 17 talks about how God warned Adam that if they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the fruit of the tree he commanded them not to, they would surely die. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious standard. And church, you know what? We all deserve death. Every single one of us has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. I deserve His punishment. We all deserve death. But this is where we get it wrong. We think, you know what, we're, we're, we're not too bad of people. We're pretty good most of the time. And we don't want to be judged. So we see these chapters, these verses, and we, we try and sort of say, well, God, they weren't that bad. They weren't that good. Surely, God, you've got that wrong. They, didn't, they weren't that bad that they deserved that because if they did, then maybe I do and I don't think I do. So, God, surely you've got this wrong. Because, you see, we measure sin completely wrongly. We, we think of sin as a scale. You know, over here, I'm going to see where I can find the edge of the camera. Oh, I flicked the other screen. Over here, gone. Hey, holy Birgara. Um, over here, we've got God. In our minds, we think God, He is the holy, perfect, pure God, and He is righteous and good, and He is, he is holy over here. And over this end of the scale, we've, we've got Satan and, and the demons. That they, are, they are evil. They are all that is against God. They are, they are utterly evil. And then maybe in our heads we think, well, then there's some, like there's some of those dictators and people around the world that have caused such horrific situations and they've tortured people, they've done things that like they're, they're, not, they're not the devil, but they're pretty close. And, you know, in our heads we think, then we think, oh, you know, there's some pretty good people. That's, that's Steve guy, he's pretty awesome, he's pretty good. Uh, and, oh, you know, Mother Teresa, um, Gandhi, he didn't kind of trust in Jesus the same way, but so they were pretty good. They weren't God, but they were pretty good. And you know what, it, that, that, uh, that person that led me to Christ, like they, they weren't as good as like Mother Teresa, but they, hey, they were pretty awesome. Like Actually, we'll bring them in back in the middle a bit more. And that school teacher I had, oh, they weren't the devil, but they were pretty close. Um, and we, we kind of, we put people on a scale and we think, well, hang on, I'm not as bad as that guy, but yeah, I'm not as good as that guy that led me to Christ. So maybe I'm just about here. And we, we think of sin as some kind of scale that we place ourselves on and then we go, oh, you know what, God's, God's good and He's merciful, so you know what, maybe it's like 90% get through. Maybe it's just like 10%, you know, God's, God's good but He judges. So we, and we think about sin as a scale and it is wrong. It is totally wrong. You know, God measures sin more like a rat test. Think about it, he shoves the thing up your nose. He... <laughs> if anyone has not had a rat test, you are blessed. Anyway, um, <clears throat> the question is, is it there or not? And you might have seen over the years at different times, I've had a, an example of the, the circle with spots. And God has said that the circles that have no spots are the ones that get into heaven. And, and you can have a circle with one tiny little dot, one tiny little spot, but it has spots and it is not worthy of entering the kingdom of heaven. You can have a circle that's covered in spots and it's, it, it's, it's more spot than it's not. But the one with spots that's fully covered and the one with one dot both have spots and they both deserve judgment. And whether you're the sinner, you feel like you're next door to the devil 
or you feel like you're, you're a mother Teresa and you've served and you've loved and you have been so kind, we are all sinners who deserve judgment. But this isn't the ser- end of the sermon. <laughs> Praise be to God. We deserve death. But have a listen to what it says in 2 Peter chapter 3. Speaking about Jesus' return. It says the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. Just pause there for a moment. He's being patient. Just think again about the people of Israel camped in the wilderness, and God says to Joshua, tell the people to prepare themselves. In other words, sin is about to be dealt with. Sin is about to be judged. Tell the people to turn from sin. Repent, because it is coming. And then he goes on, he does not want anyone, God does not want anyone to be destroyed or to perish, some translations say, but he wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything in it will be found to deserve judgment. God is being patient And now is the time. We must respond to him. He is waiting for us to turn to him and say, God, thank you for your mercy. In Joshua 11, verse 19, it tells us about how, as the people of Israel go on and they fight nation after nation, it says that none of the nations, except the Hivites of Gibeon, who kind of tricked Israel into a bit of a peace treaty, It says, none of the other nations made peace with God's people. Not one of them cried out and said, we recognize that the the God of Israel is the true and living God and we, we surrender, we give ourselves to you. We want your God to be our God. None of them humble themselves and do that. And it says, the Lord hardened their hearts and so they were defeated. We have an opportunity. We all have an opportunity to make peace with God. While you have breath in your lungs, while you have a heartbeat, while you are alive, you have an opportunity to make peace with God and it is so awesome. Jesus said in Matthew 11 verse 28, come to me, all of you who are tired and weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Hear that phrase, it says I Who's going to do this? Is it you? No, it's God. I, the creator of the heavens and the earth, Jesus Christ said, I will. Does it say, I might, I, I, I could if you do? No, it says, I will. The God of all creation is going to make this true. I will give. Is it saying, I, I might, I'm, I, I will if you do this and this? It's conditional that uh, you do that and this. And then I might do it. No, I will give. This is a gift. I will give who? You. And you can say me today. If you hear my voice, that it's for, for you. I will give you rest. And that rest is forgiveness. That rest is peace. That rest is joy. That rest is eternity with him in heavenly places because we are united with Christ Jesus. 
Jesus took the penalty for our sin that we could never pay. I just want to read Isaiah 55. I'll ask the band to come as I read this passage. Isaiah 55, verse 1. It says, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. You see, you know, we, we have nothing to bring to God. We have nothing to offer for our salvation. He simply says, Come, come. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money or your life on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that, gives, food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. And you will enjoy the finest food. I just want to point out right there, God wants you to enjoy life with Him. You know, the Sabbath day, you know, we, don't, we don't live under law, but it's a day for us to enjoy life with God. Well, going for a bike ride on your, on your day off is such a good thing to do, or whatever you do. Verse 3, Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. What's an everlasting covenant? A covenant that cannot be broken. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the people. I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you do not know. And peoples unknown to you will come running to obey. Because I, is it because of us? No, because of him. Because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. That's how He sees you today. He has made you glorious. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while you can find Him. Call on Him now while He is near. Now is the time. Do not wait for tomorrow to confess your sins to God. Do not wait for tomorrow to deal with that thing in your life that's infecting your soul. Call on Him now while He is near. Verse 7, let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that He may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for He will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come pouring down and make the ground very boggy. Sorry. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper wherever I send it. You know, you might not feel like you're getting out something out of the Word of God as you read sometimes, but it will not return void. Verse 12, You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song. 
the trees of the field will clap their hands. You know, I think that's the psalmist talking about how we can, it's like everything around us will be for the praise of God as we set our eyes on God. As we recognize His mercy and grace, all creation begins to cry out of His glory, His majesty, and His mercy. Verse 13. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of His power and love. You know, you might feel like your life is full of nettles and thistles, but God wants to restore you to bring peace and joy as you trust in Him that your life might be for the glory of God. And it's not by your strength, it's simply because of Him. We read a bit earlier in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. In Him, we receive mercy and grace that cannot be taken away. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I need to wrap up. So many things. I, you know, this week's message and last week's message, originally it was going to be one. I was going to have 57 points. Um, decided to try and cut it back a little bit. Some of you might have read this verse through the week. I know the Bible app had this as the verse for the day a couple of days ago. Psalm 85 verse 2. You forgave the guilt of, of your people. Yes, you covered all their sins. You know, when we try and cover our sin and hide away our sin, it just ends in infection and pus. Yep, get that picture in your head. When we try and cover over and hide our sins, it just brings destruction. But when God hides our sins, when God covers our sins, it's not hidden. It is washed away and it is cleansed. It is gone. It is far from the east as the west. It has been dealt with. As we've been going through the series, the title of the series has been Be With God. Be with God and we will always have life. No matter what you face, whether you face death, whether you live, whether you die, you will have life if you be with God. If your heart is, is set on Him, if He is your focus, if He is your joy, you will always have life. You know, that very valley where Achan and his family were stoned, Later on, we read in the book of Hosea how the, the valley of Accor, the valley of Achan, the valley of trouble was going to be transformed and it was going to be made a gateway of hope. It was going to become a door of hope. And I believe that's because as we see God's seriousness with sin, it transform, it, it, that, that revelation should transform us and give us an opportunity for hope. And that time is now. Cry out to Him today and let your life come under His, His mercy and grace. He's offering it to you, but we must come to Him. Don't wait for that day of judgment because it's too late. But anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's stand this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, we just thank you so much for your word. Lord, we just want to recognize that sometimes as we read, there's things that, that are difficult for us to grasp. As we read about the, the horrific things that happened at times through the Old Testament, Lord, we can struggle 
But God, we just thank you that you are a merciful God. And Lord, you call us to come to you. And anyone who comes to you will receive your mercy and your grace. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have made a way for us to be set free. Just this morning, as we've just got our eyes closed, heads bowed, if there's someone here today and you know that you have just strayed from God's plan for your life, you know you have done things that you are ashamed of, I don't want to ask you to put your hand up or anything right now. I just want you to confess it to God in your heart right now and say, God, I am sorry. God, I am sorry for those things I've done. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. In James it says, let there be tears for the things you have done. Let there be weeping instead of joy. And as we confess our sins, it says that He will then lift you up in honour. He will use you to, to display His glory to those around you. Lord, I just pray for those this morning that maybe are feeling overwhelmed by the things that they've done in their life, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would lift them up, Lord, even as they cry out to you now, Lord, that you would lift them up in peace and joy again. In Jesus' name I pray. If there's anyone, you're joining us online today, maybe you're tuning into this in weeks' times and you listen to this message, you know, God hears your prayer sitting at home by yourself. If you will cry out to him and say, God, please forgive me. Ask him to help you understand, get in contact with us, fill in a connect card. We'd love to support you and help you grow in your understanding of what He's done for you. Now is the time. Church, let's worship Him. Let's respond to Him. Let's praise Him today as the team leads us now. Thank you, Jesus.